Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle, a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. And we are live with the Standing Room Spartans podcast. I am Kevin. He is Scott. It is Monday morning, and finally, we are reporting live after a win. It feels like it's been a long time because it has been a long time. And, man, I got a little extra pep in my step this morning. The coffee tastes a little better. You know, everything just feels a little sweeter after Michigan State win, especially one that, you know, double overtime against... Wisconsin's not a rival, but it's one of those teams that we have a lot of history with. It just, everything feels a little better this morning. Absolutely. No lines lost to soil it either. It was a great weekend. Um, yeah. Just when you think you're out, they, they bring you right back in. Yeah, so we'll talk about the Wisconsin game. Obviously, we'll highlight everything that we saw, good and bad. It wasn't perfect. It was far from perfect, but... Um, great to be back in the win column. Uh, we'll talk about the game. We'll give out our game ball. We'll give out our play of the game. And I mean, just, just to start like crazy weekend of college football, it kind of sucks. I was thinking about this today. It kind of sucks that our game is buried one as a product of both teams, not being very good this year to this point, right? Wisconsin came in three and three. We came in two and four. Not really a matchup on many people's radar, especially when from a a real time perspective, you're battling against Tennessee, Alabama. You're battling against Oklahoma State TCU. I mean, our our game definitely in the national landscape is going to get buried. People aren't really going to talk about it. But that's a shame because it was a it was a really fun game. I was going back and just watching like the highlights even a couple times now, and it was just it was fun. It was aesthetically pleasing. It wasn't really super sloppy. I mean, there were a couple sloppy plays, but it seemed like the result of a good game between two pretty good teams, right? It wasn't just a an overtime game that was between two crappy teams and and who really cares. I, I felt like a little more than that. I mean, it felt like two pretty good teams going at it. So we'll talk about it prescriptive through the rest of the year or not. If this means we're going to make a bowl game or not, I don't know. But um, man, fun game, and, and it felt like two at least pretty decent teams. It's funny how your tune changes after a win when we had like I know. 100 yards and penalties in the first half. Uh, the first half I was sitting there like we have zero discipline and Wisconsin thankfully didn't have the horses to make us pay for it. Like Ohio state did a week before. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, we overcame ourselves at times in this game. Um, Wisconsin played a a sloppier game. They made more mistakes. And at the end of the day, that's, that's really what the difference was. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was. It did. It felt like a good game. It was never more than a seven-point lead for either team. Both teams held a seven-point lead at different times in the game. Um, Each team battled back. There were times when the offenses were dominating. There were times when the defenses were dominating. Um, Yeah, it was really diverse. Uh, Each team did a little bit of what they wanted to do. Each team took away a little bit of what the other team wanted to do. Um, 
and and both teams had to adjust throughout the game. So it was uh it was it was a fun game to watch for once. There were a f- there were a few moments. I was trying to think of like at what point did I know we were going to win or or think we were going to lose and where were those kind of twists and turns? This was a pretty stressful one throughout. The one moment that I was reliving today was you know, we finally we put together this touchdown drive to take the lead in the, you know, pretty deep into the fourth quarter, right? And then immediately we kick off, they get a nice return. We they get out to like midfield and I'm like, there it is. There's the rug getting pulled out from under us. They're going to storm down the field after we just tied it up. They're going to um they're going to take the lead. It was just I, there were a few moments throughout the course of this game where I thought, man, this this bad things are happening. There was that jet sweep that they converted on second and 19 or something for a first down late in the game. Um, as soon as they got their passing touchdown in overtime, I'm like, man, we kind of got lucky with a fluke. Jaden Reed toss it up to Keon Coleman. I don't know how our red zone offense is really going to fare for another overtime here. And obviously you come out in the second overtime, force a fumble on the first play. I mean, that overtime for being two overtimes was quick. I mean, we scored on the first play, then they scored on the third play. Then we force a turnover on the first play of second overtime and we score three plays into the third, uh, our possession of the second overtime, probably like real time wise has to be up there with the quickest overtimes, especially double overtime games that I can remember. It was uh no, just super fun game. Like you said, the tone changes, the coffee's better, the alarm clock sounded a little less irritating. You know, the the colors outside are a little more vibrant. Everything feels better. Yeah, well, you mentioned, um, you know, when we went up by a touchdown there in the fourth quarter, and this the one terrifying thing about this game is how many opportunities we had to win, and we didn't take advantage of it. We scored that touchdown with about seven and change left in the uh in the fourth quarter and we give up that return we give up a touchdown then we get the opportunity to win the game right and we have this nice 10 play drive for 50 yards we get into borderline field goal range and you're thinking like all right our kickers you never know but you get the kick up and you, you know these guys they've been kicking their whole lives you get you give yourself a chance for an exciting finish we all know what happened on that uh well Bryce Berenger interception. Um, the fact that I uttered those words I mean it didn't exactly go according to plan. Um, <laughs> it was like little giants from hell. Uh, I hate then, that we even played for the field goal there. I mean, we could talk about it later, but they clearly, I mean, they they were running the ball once we kind of got down there. Right in the moment, I'm saying, no, 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 keep throwing, keep attacking. I don't trust this kicking yeah. kicking game at all. I'd rather risk throwing an interception than just kind of place it in the hands of a kicker who's probably not going to make it. But yeah, we'll come back to the story. end of the fourth quarter because that was um, a mess. But then you get into overtime. We score on the first play and we have that double interception drop, the first play of, of Wisconsin's possession. Um, we had the Dylan Tatum interception drop earlier in the game. We'll come back to him too because he was uh, a story in this one. And the second overtime, um, we finally got it done. But yeah, there was, you know, you don't always get that many opportunities to win a game against a a decent team. Um, And I don't want to say we got lucky because we earned our opportunities, but um, Tim Brando said it on the broadcast after we missed the interception in the first overtime. You know, if you go on and don't win that game, you have nightmares for like a year thinking i mean yeah. you, you imagine that happens and we win five games this year and miss a bowl game and you're thinking on one play that oh, the ball went through two of your players hands that could have get, gotten you an extra win that year uh thankfully the guys they kept chopping um and, and got the job done but yeah what what a game the end of the fourth quarter let's zoom in on that because of all of the things we could be frustrated out of this game that was some james franklin-esque game management um yikes i mean it was like again it's it starts with just playing for the field goal which a lot of times as a former kicker i don't hate it right you know you 
you get to a certain point where you feel comfortable, where your kicker is going to be about 80% from there. And you kind of let the chips play out as they, you know, you, you run the ball a couple times, you try to set it up as close as you can for him within reason. And, uh, and you line them up out there because it's a tie game. What's the worst that can happen, right? You miss a field goal and, and it goes into overtime, but we all know what the kicking situation is here. It's it's not been pretty this year. And your quarterback and your receivers are finally finding some rapport down the field. Keon Coleman has had a day. Like, take a couple shots towards the end zone there uh, in general. But then, obviously, the mismanagement of the play clock and the lack of timeouts and and everything that came after that. I thought, just from the philosophy standpoint at the beginning – just don't play for the field goal and we might not even have these problems. Now, maybe that's because we threw an interception. Maybe that's because we threw for threw for a touchdown and, or at least, you know, hit one of those kind of quick shots for 20 yards. And then all of a sudden it's really a chip shot where it's like a 25 yard field goal. We were playing for the field goal when it was still like more than 40 yards out, which it's yeah, just we, uh, not we, gimme territory right now. We had the ball on Wisconsin's 46-yard line with two timeouts in a minute and a half on the clock in a first down. Anyone in the world would go for a touchdown in that situation or at least think, okay, we're going to get this down to a chip shot, right? We're not. And then we, we get a quick pass out of bounds for Trey Mosley. And then on second down, minute and a half left, clock's running or clock's not running. We run the ball. And we're not even in field goal range at this point. So right there, you're dropping either a timeout or 20 seconds minimum. Um, it ends up with just under a minute left, third and eight, and we happen to convert on that Peyton Thorne scramble. He gets out of bounds, great play, stops the clock. So then you got 40 seconds, two timeouts, and you're basically in field goal, long field goal range. And on second down, we run the ball, turn a timeout, and then we – that was our last time out. Yeah. At that point, it's a 50 yard field goal. And you run so, the ball. Burn like you said, you're in, out. you're in quote unquote field goal range, but okay. You're trusting one of our kickers to make a 50 yarder to ice it. <laughs> and then the Peyton Thorne, Jaden Reed, what I think was a hot route that they changed themselves into Wisconsin comes out and man, Jaden Reed in the slot, his man drops into a blitz look Peyton Thorne sees nobody lined up over Jaden Reed and just decides I'm going to get the ball to him as fast as I can, but he's in the middle of the field. Corner makes a great play. Clock's running. You know the rest. We sprint our field goal team out there. It's fourth down, so you can't spike it to get, you know, a little bit calmer situation. And, uh, you know, you got your backup long snapper in a pressure situation where he's sprinting out onto the field and has to get the snap off with one second left on the clock. He, Whether it was pressure or something else, you know, he just sputters it like a bowling ball uh, across the turf. And uh, yeah, we go into overtime. And Berger decides to just chuck it in the field of play, which was, you know, of course it didn't mean anything. But I was like, dude, I, any common sense would tell you to throw that thing out of bounds, maybe, because you had no Spartans within 20 yards of where that ball ended up. But yeah, if it was I'd, Tyler Hunt, he would have made it happen. Well, but, of course. Uh, <laughs> As a quick aside, too, and maybe we'll talk about this more in a bit. Um, because you mentioned your theory with the Peyton Thorn throwing it out to Jaden Reed there. Um, I'm curious, I would love to be a fly on the wall in the QB room this week because there were a couple plays as we found out after the game, including the game winning touchdown to Jaden Reed, where Peyton Thorn just kind of went out there and said, Screw the plan, we're doing this. And Peyton Thorn had one of the best games of his career. So in that QB room, is coach kind of getting after him for saying, hey, look, I hey, this worked, I know, but you, you know, I got a plan up there. You got to trust me. Or is it Jay Johnson saying, you know what, Peyton, there were a couple plays where you, you know, went outside of the game plan, you stepped out, you did your own thing. And while I still prefer you to stick stick to the script that we have, um, you know, it, it worked and I trust you to make those plays. And, you know, he ultimately gives Thorne more of that control. Like, I'm curious how that 
how they toe the line with that because I feel like it's like it's still a three and four start to the season. It's there's a lot of pressure in that building, and I feel like that's a pretty delicate situation when fans are calling for the offensive coordinator's head and the best plays of the game have been made by the quarterback who said, screw the plan put in place by the offensive coordinator. Me and Jaden are just going to go here and ball. (laughs) Yeah. I think you give him the Liberty to do certain looks to check into certain looks. Like you get Jaden Reed one-on-one on on the outside and you want it, take it right. I mean, Jaden Reed's shown time and again that he will win against anyone in those situations, but like, going hot into a check down basically behind the line of scrimmage in the slot. Uh, right. He tried to do the, the Patrick Mahomes to Travis Kelsey in that uh, AFC championship game where they line up. He sees nobody's above Travis and he just says, Travis go. And they just snaps it and throws it to him. Yeah. Newsflash. (laughs) You're not Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey. You don't have, quite that understanding yet so <laughs> yeah I but just, anyway that was that was a note that i made though if there was a there were a few times there yes or on saturday where where peyton thorne kind of went off script and those seemed to be all of the most successful plays and i'm thinking man that's a delicate balance that we have yeah. to play there for the next few weeks yeah and that end of the fourth quarter that was the only time that i really thought we deserved zooming in on to be a little bit um critical critical thank you that's the word of this game i mean it was a fun game i want to get that behind us and and move on to the fun stuff uh let's go back to kind of the start of the game talk about the defensive shakeup because it was a big shakeup they changed the personnel they changed a lot of the looks they were using in terms of the just what they were using most frequently on defense and some new faces out there so First and foremost, Xavier Henderson and Jacob Slade, but especially Xavier Henderson were back this week. Jacob Slade looked to be maybe about 50% of his usual snap count when he's healthy. Xavier Henderson was in there as much as he could be. Um, and you could immediately see the difference, not just with those two positions, but the entire defense. I mean, having a guy like Xavier Henderson and, and the broadcasters mentioned it, and we mentioned it on a previous podcast talking about what it would be like to get them back the alignment and the confidence in the back half of the defense with Xavier Henderson as the anchor was immediately clear. Um, and, and the run support, right? Him coming downhill, filling gaps. He didn't make too many actual like plays in the run game, but you could tell guys were just where they needed to be and things were plugged up for Braylon Allen. And he did make that play late where he stuck Braylon Allen in the hole and then got up in his face right after. And that was where I was like, man, it's good to have you back, Xavier. And that runs Um, off, right? You talk about leadership. All these young guys on this defense, seeing their their senior captain come back and go right mano a mano in the hole with the best player on Wisconsin's offense. Who's probably got 25 pounds on him. And then get big and and let him have it. Um, You could feel that in the whole building. We talked about Chuck Brantley's the only guy playing with confidence out there. When your leader in Xavier Henderson is going out there playing that confident, that that rubs off for sure. I mean, this is a young team. It's a pretty young defense, especially with some of the holes we're filling in there. That matters. And and like results wise, we forced Wisconsin at one point into six straight punts. We forced three three and outs on the game two four and outs where there was a first down on the first play and then immediately um, punted on the next series. I mean, it was, it was really impressive. You give up that touchdown drive early and we're all thinking, ah, here we go again. And then you get interception, touchdown, punt, 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 touchdown, touchdown, fumble. Like you force a couple turnovers, you force a few three and outs. And at the end, 21 points in regulation, 28 points after an overtime. When you trust your offense, that's a manageable number. Like we always said going into every game this season, it's like this defense isn't going to just turn into a top 40 defense. It's not going to happen. You're you're not going to hold a team to 14 and, you know, win a game with 17 points on offense, but if you hold them to 21 in regulation instead of 35, like now we're talking. 
if you hold a, a you know Wisconsin not one of the better offenses in the league if you hold a really good offense to 24 28 in regulation hey that's a winnable game and that's that's all we really are hoping for out of the defense I think I can speak for us like is that you you can keep our team in a position to win a football game like you're not going to go out and win it by yourself you're not Iowa you're not whoever but just just keep us afloat keep us in the game and they did that and more I, I thought I mean that that late second quarter, early third quarter, that's that's a huge swing in most games. That going into the half and coming out of the half, and you force two straight punts going into the half and two straight punts coming out of the half. Damn impressive job. And and I we talked about it a hundred times. I tweeted it right before the game. I was nervous about it, but I was like, if Jacob Slade and Xavier Henderson are back, we're gonna win. And that was like just kind of overconfidence, but those guys matter so much. I mean, Jacob Slade's impact, especially as the game went on, we were talking about it in our group chat. I I didn't really see him early. There were a couple of drives where he just wasn't on the field, wasn't really making an impact. And as the game went on, he, it felt like he was just playing more snaps on the field, more making more of an impact. And same with Xavier Henderson. He came, he came out, what, the first or second series? Oh yeah, that was so um, when he tweaked his knee, and I'm thinking, great, uh, you know, he came back too early. Now we might have lost him for the season. Comes back and has has an awesome game. Like those guys matter so much to this group, and it's it's not just the cliche leadership thing, but it's just like you said, you you're watching Xavier Henderson in real time, literally like physically move players to the right positions before the snap. Makes such a big difference. Yeah, and the big maybe the biggest difference we could i mean you could argue either of these Xavier Henderson or Jacoby Windman moving to linebacker yeah but moving him back and he tweeted something about it's good to, it's good to be back home in in reference to being back at linebacker um when i heard he was moving when we heard he was moving before game he was he was um practicing or or warming up with the with the linebacker group immediate thought is who the hell is going to play defensive end, right? Because we're like, Zion Young's been playing, but, you know, he's a true freshman. and He's not he's, ready to start. <laughs> no, and he's been like, he's been all right. And then on the other side, just a giant question mark. And I was like, I, I literally don't know who yeah. is going to play there. And Avery uh, Dunn Wright, has played some snaps. But and he you're was like, hurt too. Shoot, he was Avery out. Dunn. <laughs> yeah, Avery Dunn was out. Bogle was out. And um, who am I missing? Um Petrovsky is out. Right. So moving Winman, who was really the only effective defensive end on the team, out of that group, I was like, against this offensive line, how are we going to set an edge? Brandon Wright came in. Um, I think Michael Fletcher was in for like the first until drive he and a half until he got booted, a targeting yeah. call. Well, and that was another one, right? We're like, okay, Fletcher's playing some extra snaps, and then he gets booted from the game, and we're like, well, now who's going to play? <laughs> yeah. So um to their credit, uh Brandon Wright and Zion Young, who might as well both be freshmen. I know Brandon Wright's definitely not a freshman, but at that position he yeah. basically is. Um they really held their own against this offensive line. And I know this isn't Wisconsin's typical, you know, all pro offensive line, but uh but they're still Wisconsin, they're still a sound team, and those guys are inexperienced and undersized so really impressive but Jacoby Winman playing at linebacker I think will probably be defensive player of the week I haven't looked around the box scores of the rest of the Big Ten but I mean he had 11 tackles a forced fumble an interception two tackles for loss it's hard to have much better game than that at linebacker and man did he look natural there just being able to flow to the point of attack there Instead were a couple spots in, in one gap. On there were a couple spots line. early that I was a little worried, you know, like some outside zone stuff where he kind of got lost in the wash. And I think it was just him kind of readjusting like, okay, wait, I'm, I'm a little further back. I got to read my holes and read my spots. But once he settled in, man, it was, it was unbelievable. And we also had the luxury because of the personnel that Wisconsin typically plays in, which is 12 or 22 or even 23 personnel down on the goal line lot more three linebacker looks with Aaron Brule also in there quite a bit. Benman Summer is still rotating too. in, but yeah, Brule was playing off ball linebacker quite a bit on um, changing out with Angelo Gross when we were in a nickel package. And um, 
Yeah, I mean, there were a couple moments when he struggled to really set the edge kind of on those scrambles. Um, but, I mean, by and large, you've got Dylan Tatum, you've got Aaron Brule, you've got Winman at a new position, Brandon Wright in our typical secondary other than Xavier Henderson that has struggled the last two years. Um, we really didn't let too much get away from us in the passing game. There were a couple long conversions that that uh, third and 18 particularly comes to mind with Angelo Gross getting beat, but Angelo Gross was up against their best wide receiver who had lined up in the slot. They were specifically looking for that look, and that's a hard matchup for any uh, nickel safety. So, um, yeah, and I know it's Wisconsin, but we talked about it, right? If you get the good Graham Mertz, I mean, he's put five touchdowns up in multiple games in his career. Uh, he can get hot at any time. Only give up 14 completions on the day for 131 yards, two touchdowns and a pick. Obviously, one of those touchdowns coming in overtime. So you look at regulation, giving up one passing touchdown um, under a six-yard average on the on the game. I mean, wow. I mean, the defense won us this game, and I texted you probably midway through the third quarter or so, and I think we were down like 14-7 at that point. And I said, so far – the offense has lost us this game, right? You know, the defense is playing well, which is hard to believe. Braylon Allen had his other than the game uh, against Illinois where he got knocked out early and only had eight touches. He had his lowest rushing average at 4.2 yards a carry on the year. Uh, his his yearly average right now is 5.7 yards per rush. We hold him to 4.2 and 4.2 is not it's not a chumpy number, but it is for Braylon Allen. Right. And they gave him th- 29 carries, uh, over 30 touches on the game. You think, okay, Braylon Allen gets 30 touches on anyone and you're in trouble. But, uh, I mean, yeah, they held their own. And it just it has to be such a confidence booster for this defense looking at the back half of the schedule. Yeah, the, I mean, the last quick notes for me before we move over to the offense is Simeon Barrow. You know, good to have Slade back next to you. Simeon Barrow played awesome. Um, he was all over the backfield, it felt like. Uh, you mentioned Dylan Tatum, but you know, is is he kind of that next Darius Snow role of a pretty versatile defensive back? And he's not as big, but you know, we'll we'll see as the season goes on. I'm sure he'll get more and more playing time. Um, Amir Speed, just terrible play in overtime to give up, but throughout the rest of the game made some plays. Uh, he had that breakup down the field that was an awesome play in man coverage. Um, you know, played, I think, a, a pretty neutral game when you kind of wash out the one big play that he made and the one really bad play. Um, yeah, I mean, just just good effort, good pursuit to the ball. It felt like, you know, when Braylon Allen had it, there were three or four hats on him. And then last shout out, speaking of hats to people, Angelo Gross, is he's so fun to watch around the line of scrimmage. I kept trying to say it because I kept, you know, getting frustrated with him playing deep and he wasn't playing well. When that guy's around the ball, it's just he is an excellent tackler. He very rarely lets a guy get past him. And, you know, he comes up and plays with some violence in a similar way to like Chuck Brantley in the way that he just closes on ball carriers. But uh, he's got a little more girth to him. He's a little shorter, which gives him a little better build. And man, he just comes in in the open field and makes plays. And that was good to see. Kind of exciting defense moving forward. I mean, like if your definition of exciting is like we could give up an 80-yard touchdown or we could force a three and out or get a turnover, that's exciting. <laughs> see, one one really big thing to watch as we move on to these next few games is that we played a lot more cover two, which yeah. is generally safer than cover three because – you don't have corners playing up and responsible for deep zones. You've got which is what safeties. Speed got in trouble for in the end zone. There, he yeah, he was playing that zone and just got lost in it, you know. And just anyway, um, yeah. So cover two man, cover two zone. I noticed on third and long we were playing that cover two zone where you basically have five guys underneath just playing like a a, a zone right at the sticks, and then you just come up. Don't let anything behind you come up and make the tackle. And it's what good defenses do, and it's what we were doing. I honestly, with how it worked that game, and I know this is a Wisconsin offense that is just not particularly threatening when you look across the Big Ten. Um, they do a few things good, but 
I want to keep that in perspective, but but you have a game like that where that cover two generally works and limited what we have seen all year. I mean, we gave up five and a half yards a pass. This defense, I don't care right. that it's Wisconsin, and I know Graham Mertz has more, probably more bad games than good, but this defense, I mean, we were talking about we could make anyone's quarterback look like a Heisman contender, and finally, they didn't have a, a team Team A, whoever it is, <laughs> didn't have a good passing game. Power five us. team too. <laughs> so let's just take a moment to appreciate that, right? Uh, yeah. So I hope we we stick with that cover too. I think it's easier for the younger safety in Dylan Tatum as well to just okay. I got this half. Nobody behind me. That's my job. Uh, so yeah, I really like what I saw. Obviously, a big task next uh, next next week against Michigan. But uh, yeah, really really great confidence building team uh, game for this for this defense and you you get these exciting games right exciting college football games there was a lot of them across the slate and when you play with DraftKings, you can make them even a little more exciting they are an official sports betting partner of the nfl they have unbeatable offers new customers can make any five dollar nfl bet and get two hundred dollars in free bets if your bet wins you check this out. In addition to the usual bets, everyone can boost their winnings with DraftKings. Stepped up, same game, parlays. You can do it for Monday Night Football tonight. And to make things even sweeter, you can throw down on stepped up, same game, parlays. Once per game day, all season long. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code TPPN for the Pigskin Podcast Network, of which we're a proud member to get $200 in free bets if your team wins. Just place a $5 bet on any football game only at DraftKings Sportsbook using code TPPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. So I think I think we're going to spend a little less time on the offense because the defense was the story to me. And we already kind of mentioned the Peyton Thorne stuff. I think for me on offense, this game was pretty simple. And it was a lot of what we've talked about in the last couple of weeks, really, it felt like finally, whether this was a Peyton Thorne problem, whether this was a Jay Johnson problem, whether it was some combination of both, both which is probably the most likely, um, we finally trusted our playmakers to make plays again. You know, we're giving Jaden Reed his shots down the field. We're giving Keon Coleman his shots down the field. I was joking that, you know, in that first possession in overtime, like Jaden Reed practices with Keon Coleman every day. He knows exactly what this guy's capable of. And he probably threw that ball up in theory in a coaching clinic when he probably shouldn't have as a non-quarterback. But Jaden Reed said, you know what? Screw it. If you guys aren't going to throw him the ball down the field, I will. And just chucked it up to him because that's what we we've said it how many times that you have a six foot four basketball player playing wide receiver and you're not giving him any chances down the field. Like, what are we doing? And we finally did. We did it with Reed. We did it with Coleman. And those big plays, that was the difference in the game. Like, how many times have we really said that this year? So at that point, that that's just kind of like, I don't know how much there is to break down on the offense because that was the really the story to me. It was it was giving our playmakers chances again. And that was refreshing. And finally, you know, we felt good coming out of a game in terms of there's the explosive plays that we knew were possible. There's what happens when you have Reed and Coleman on the outside. Oh, yeah, we have a freak of nature for a tight end that can go for a 72-yard completion, stiff-arming dudes after the catch and running away from safeties. <laughs> you know, it was, it was great to just see that explosiveness out of the offense again, you know, in a post-Kenneth Walker world. Yeah, I mean, you look at... Uh at this offense right and talk, you take the big plays late in the game out of it we had one drive that was cheap because it was after that interception though we did drive the ball to get wisconsin down into that uh situation but we didn't cap it with a touchdown at that moment i was like is this the same old same old right you, you start the game three and out you give up a touchdown long 11 play drive touchdown to wisconsin on their first drive then you drive all the way down the field and you give it up on turnover on downs. And you're like, all right, again, this team just doesn't seem to have it right. They can't find the stops on defense and they can't push it over the edge on offense. We get that cheap interception and touchdown. But if you look at the offense, you take that quick little touchdown out. 
you don't score again until the last drive in the third quarter um, with that monster play by Malik Carr. It wasn't until the middle of the fourth quarter that we again tested the mismatch with our wide receivers on their corners. And all of a sudden, it's like Jay Johnson had to see it happen with his own two eyes to believe our receivers could be an advantage. As soon as we make a couple of those one-on-one plays, it's like, oh, we should just do that like all the time. And we've been saying it forever. And I know you don't always get a one-on-one matchup early in the game on the outside. And we had been running the ball effectively enough to keep guys' eyes on the box. But, man, how long have we been talking about? Just find your one. You've got Jaden Reed, who I know he's smaller in stature than you'd expect for for a one-on-one winner. But, I mean, he's proven it time and again that he's going to win those matchups. And like you said, you've got a 6'4 basketball player who may not get much separation on the field but he can get two feet of separation vertically any given play because he's more athletic than anyone on the defense. And finally, and I don't know if it was Jay Johnson calling it or Peyton Thorne just taking it upon himself to make it happen, but finally you see that number two on Wisconsin's defense. Man, I feel bad for that. Can we saw like the Chester Kimbrough mismatch earlier this year. I think it was Washington that was picking on him and just yeah. torched all well, game. That number and that two, poor man. kid, I mean, the cameras caught him after the game. He was heated, yeah. you know, and it was just like, man, this is a bad look all day for you. I'm he had sorry. like two third downs that were, he got called for pass interference to give up the first down conversions. And I think he gave up two. Um, he gave up both of the late touchdowns, um, one to Keon Coleman and one to Jaden Reed. And he also gave up that long conversion by Keon Coleman on third down in that last touchdown drive in regulation. Um, I mean, they're college kids and I feel bad for that kid, but finally we find a mismatch. Yeah. We say, All right, that guy is the, is the weak point. He's the weakest link on this defense, put our best players across from him and put the ball there as much as we can. And that's really what won us the game. And finally, finally somebody, I don't know again, if it was Jay Johnson or Peyton Thorne, somebody noticed and exploited that instead of just trying to play team offense the whole game. We don't have the horses to play team offense every down. So uh, thank God, right? Right. We, I mean, we sound like broken records, but like, look, this isn't a superiorly talented team compared to most of the teams that we're playing. We have one positional advantage that I think we hold over just about anybody on the schedule. And that's our wide receivers against your corners. And if we're lined up man to man, that should be an auto shot. That should be if you see single high coverage and man to man on the outside pre-snap, that's an auto audible, automatic, and just take the shot. If you don't hit it, you don't hit it. But you have to just continue taking those shots because in ga- we're not playing with a a very thick margin here with this team. I mean, we're we're going to have to hit some of those plays to win a lot of the games on our schedule that's coming up. So you got to take those shots if you want to hit them. I mean, it, it sounds dumb, but we haven't been taking them to this point. And, you know, you you just you look through the rest of the lineup and you see guys like Trey Mosley and Daniel Barker get, um, you know, a little less attention than normal. But if it's at the expense of, a 45-yard play, a 50-yard play, a 60-yard play by one of those two on the outside, then so be it. You know, we always knew that those guys were not the first options. You know, the the slot type in Trey Mosley and the the good run route route runner at tight end in Daniel Barker. You know, those are are good options to have, but they're not your first option. And when you trust your first option, you know Trey Mosley is going to end up with a few more games with three catches for 30 yards, you know, rather than a big day. But, you know, if, if he's willing, that's currently what's best for this team. But I don't know on the, on the running game, it wasn't super productive. You know, you end up with 99 yards rushing according to the box score that includes sacks. So realistically you were a little over a hundred there. Um, Eli Collins got 14 touches. The, the average doesn't look you know, superior, but it felt like, again, kind of anecdotally, it felt like he had some nice runs and it kind of kept the offensive momentum moving a little bit. Berger had a nice day. 
Um, the chip on his shoulder was about as big as you could find. You could tell early, you know, just every time he got up after a first down, there was a little quicker to pop up off the ground and get in somebody's face. So any real thoughts there on the ground game? Berger with 16 carries, Collins with 14, Broussard with three. Is that kind of what you expect more of moving forward? I hope so. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, Eli Collins, he struggled with the average a little bit, but he had a couple key conversions. He had that early third down and like three conversion that he picked up. He ran through somebody for the last couple yards. And then his touchdown was was one of those goal lines. I think we got stuffed on the goal line to play before and they gave it back to him. And he just found a dude that was getting stood up by an offensive lineman and just put his shoulder into the dude's waist and pushed him into the end zone. Uh, that's a perfect role for him. He had a couple good, not chunk plays necessarily, but you know, more than five yards where he's he's setting the offense up well for second and three, second and two. Uh, and that's what he's good for, right? We talked about that. He's not going to be the guy that that rips off 30-yard chunk plays, but he is going to be the guy that puts your offense ahead of schedule. Uh, and that's what he did most of the time. Jalen Berger, um, great touchdown run, 12 yards. That really, I think, got the monkey off the offense's back a little bit. Um, that was right after the interception. Peyton Thorne had, I think, an incompletion to start the drive, and Berger just took it weaved through the center of their defense and uh, got it done. And yeah, I mean, it was, it was just enough from the running game, right? The, the running game didn't win us this game, but it did open things up. It was just enough to keep Wisconsin's defense honest, to keep them, their eyes close to the line of scrimmage and, and to open up those one-on-one matchups outside. So just enough complimentary football. I wouldn't expect us to have a monumental running day against Wisconsin's defense. This is still the, the, their defense is still the strength of their team and especially up front in their front seven. So to get a hundred yards to average, basically just over three yards of carry. If you take out the sacks, um, just what you need to, to open things up. And yeah, I thought both running backs that, that got meaningful touches in this one, um, they played positive football. They did a little bit to get a little bit more than what you'd expect. I know I was I was harping on the fact that Eli Collins was the only guy that could do it. Jalen Berger, he found a few gaps uh, this game, and whether that's the chip on his shoulder or just a good game or him maturing in this offense, it was great to see because he's going to keep getting plenty of carries, and we need those to be productive. It's pretty clear he is the number one back for this staff, right? So, yeah, like you said, it's good to see him play a little bit better. I mean, we'll get to the the play of the game and the game ball to finish this off. Um, I mean, real quick, it does seem like there's somebody at my door. Hang on. Scott, you talk. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, it's going back into this offense. I don't know where Kevin was headed with that. But uh, Peyton Thorne, I want to give another shout out to. He really, he had struggled this whole season really on and off. He struggled to be the center point of this offense and play, you know, plus football and he 75% passing, no interceptions. He navigated the pocket really well, which was something coming off that Ohio state game. I was really worried about just his confidence level, his ability to trust his, his offensive line. And um, I, I think he only got sacked maybe twice in the game. Um, yeah. I mean, great, great bounce back game for him. I think he's, setting himself up for more confident football in the second half, um, which is really comforting. Um, the other two passes of this game deserve mention. Jaden Reed, obviously, with the perfect one-for-one, 25 yards and a touchdown in overtime. Bar- Bryce Behringer over one with an interception. Uh, can't get much better or much worse than that. But, yeah, I mean, this offense just as a whole, I, I really hope they build on that fourth quarter. I mean, they, they did enough throughout the game to keep this team in the game but that fourth quarter and overtime they finally found again what everyone expected to be the strength of this offense and they leaned on it and it won them the game and that combined with the way that the defense played all in all was just it was such a breath of fresh air and it gives I I know Michigan's a tall order and we'll get into that but just looking at the last five games of this year that coming up it gives it I'm sure, I mean, it gives fans like me and you plenty of confidence. I'm sure it gives that team so much more confidence to just look at their schedule and say, we can play winning football in the Big Ten. This was our first Big Ten win this year. 
up until now it was like all right are we like the worst team in the conference like can we even win big 10 games this year now we know we can wisconsin they're a middle of the road team this year but hey we are too at best we're a middle of the road team in the big 10 this year so to beat another one means that we can play at least competitive competent football that was the biggest difference this game we just looked competent we didn't necessarily look good we didn't look great but we looked like we could be competitive at least and that was something that was missing the whole year i mean yeah we we beat a couple cupcakes to start the year but this was the first game against a good opponent that we played competent football yeah i missed a bit of that we had the uh they're working on like the gas lines right outside our apartment and that was the nice man coming to tell us that they're going to shut our gas off in a couple of days. So that was great news. Uh, <laughs> I missed some of what you were saying there, obviously. I'm sure you were making some great points. Let's do the game ball. Let's do the play of the game. And let's wrap this up. So let's start with the game ball. Uh, I think there are, there are a couple good options here. Uh, I'll let you kick this thing off. Are we going offense, defense? There's there's some good options out there. Yeah, I think uh, there's there's three or four options. Um, the whole passing game played really well, but I'm struggling to to pick one guy. So I'll go on my defensive option with Jacoby Winman. Uh, again, eleven tackles, two tackles for loss, interception, the game winning forced fumble. Um, the interception essentially got us seven points we don't win that game without Jacoby Winman playing linebacker. I mean, that's, that's just a fact you put him down on the line and he's responsible for one gap of play. The play has to go to him for him to be able to make a play. You put him out there at linebacker, you give him the lateral flexibility to flow to the point of contact and just use his athleticism and make a play. And he made plenty of them. Um, finally, he gets out and, and gets to put himself on show again. Right, it was so easy with our defense and what we lacked in athleticism for for the offenses to just say, "All right, we got this one guy on the line. We got to take care of him. The rest will fall into place." Take him off the line. You put him in space. And finally, he can show what he's made of again, and he did not waste any time doing that. So, player of the game or game ball, Jacoby Winman. Yeah, you hope. I mean, with what he showed in coverage too, you know, you kind of hope he can fill in for eighty percent of what we expected from Darius Snow in that sense so great to have him play in there the other defensive guy that i deserves an honorable mention here i don't think you know is is going to get my game ball but simeon barrow a couple tackles for loss in a sack and a little bit more havoc as well that doesn't really go into the box score i thought he played really well and then i think for me it comes down to three guys peyton thorn Jaden reed keon coleman and because, you know, I hate just going with the quarterback, but because I think both of the wide receivers kind of shared in the super impactful, you know what? Actually, screw it. I'm going game ball to the wide receiver duo. They get to share the game ball, Reed and, and Coleman. I think, I think Thorne played really well, but it was just some of the plays that those guys are able to make in one-on-one situations are are ridiculous. And on top of the... Let's see, quick mental math. They combined for like 190 yards and three touchdowns on 14 catches. Uh, on top of that, you got another, what, probably 45 yards and flags that they caused. You know, defensive pass interference where the only thing the defenders could do was just get their hands on them. So I'll just give it to the duo, Jaden Reed and Keon Coleman. You got to split the game ball this week. And then for play of the game there's a lot you know that you could go if you want to go like b track you could go with like the malik car long play to set up that touchdown dry you know there was a bunch of fun the the jacoby winman interception the jacoby winman forced fumble in overtime but i just gotta play the hits we've seen the same play in that same corner of the end zone how many times now Jaden Reed just going up and mossing people that 511 or whatever he is I don't know how he keeps doing it it looks exactly the same every time it's the same pose when he's I mean every aspect of it is exactly the same you could just mirror it in different uniforms against different people that Jaden Reed catch to ice it um vintage Jaden Reed and uh gets the play of the game for me I don't know how 
he keeps doing that. Like I don't I don't know how he keeps getting away with this. It is the exact same play every time. <laughs> uh yeah, I mean that was the play of the game for me too, but just for parity's sake, I'll go with the the Keon Coleman back yeah. shoulder fade. Similar play, a little bit more of a stop and go uh than than just mossing a guy, but so you're think, you're not going with the reed to Coleman. You're going with the thorn to Coleman, right? Oh, true. Yeah, we did have the reed to Coleman. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm going the thorn to Coleman, okay. um, the back shoulder right at the goal line. Um, I mean, all those receiving touchdowns from that <laughs> game were were exceptional. But because um, I I think the 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 reed to Coleman was the more impressive catch, but the the thorn to Pol- Coleman was the better play. That, no, that seemed like one of right. those like I'm I'm calling an audible because I forgot about that play. Honestly, to have Jaden Reed throw a touchdown to Keon Coleman is just <laughs> like speaking on our wide receivers being our best position group, having one throw a touchdown to the other. Also, what a great play design to have Jaden Reed for four years at Western and Michigan yeah. State running that jet sweep over and over and over. And then you give him the jet sweep and he throws the ball. I think it's the first time we've ever done that. Shout out to Jay Johnson on that one. That was epic. And to do it on the first play of overtime where it's like, okay, we just had a terrible end of the fourth quarter and we're, we're bummed about this. And, and Coleman just, sold it pretty well too, to his credit. He sold the fake blocking for a few and steps. He was still covered, right? He was one-on-one. I mean, his guy yeah. was still with him, but the safety comes up. All the linebackers come up. It's one-on-one. We get right. We punch him in the mouth to start overtime. So that fourth quarter, ugliness is behind us um yeah so so that's my play of the game thank you for reminding me of it um i love seeing that wide receiver group get going thank god keon coleman gets to campus and gets to learn from (laughs) so we'll get into more about this matchup i'm sure we got an idle week coming up here so we will figure out what our plan is and we will let you know follow us on social media the links are in the episode notes Give us a review if you are so kind. Share us with your friends and family. We're back to being excited about Michigan State football again, which is fun. Uh, Until Wednesday, I hope everybody has a great start to the week. We'll talk to you soon. Go green. Go white. Take care, folks.